Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of the Kogi Chronicles podcast. On today's episode, I was once again joined by Sports Illustrated Chiefs writer and NBA expert Jordan Foote to talk about the NBA trade deadline and a few of those big NFL draft trades that uh, mostly the Miami Dolphins made. Um, but so without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Jordan. The man, the myth, the legend, Jordan Foote, he is back. What's up, man? How's it going? Koki, good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Um, so on this show, we haven't really gotten to a lot of the NBA trade deadline stuff. And I know I'm like a week late on this, but life's busy. Um, <laughs> this is why it's my podcast. I can do it on my schedule, on my terms. So uh, that, that's why we have Jordan here to sort of hash it out and sort of explain these, talk about these trades. I mean, I remember the last time you were on this podcast was when Harden got traded, right? Yeah, maybe no. I'm just the, the trade reaction guy. I don't know. That's kind of my <laughs> my brand on this podcast so far. Jordan Foot, the trade reaction guy. It's not a bad it's not a bad thing to have, right? I mean uh, I mean it's breaking news, it's important stuff. So I guess it could be worse, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um we're gonna be talking about like a whole uh range of different trades this time, unlike the last uh Harden uh, Harden fiasco. We at the last uh, when hard got traded the whole, that whole fiasco um but uh, this time uh we're gonna start with the nba trade trade deadline and then work our way to the nfl draft trades that were made um you are an nfl draft expert you've been doing 100 prospects in 100 days for how many days are you in now um depending on when this episode comes out wednesday would be 72 thursday would be 73 so a lot. <laughs> that's that's incredible, dude. Um, and so definitely check out uh, Jordan's work with the prospect, prospects. And I thought he would be the perfect person to talk about not just the NBA stuff, but of course the NFL draft stuff, because I think you understand the prospects probably a lot better than I do. Um, but yeah, that's why you're here. We're all just trying to look at him. And it's, uh, I think if any of us really knew what we were doing, then we'd be in those roles that the guys who do know what they're doing are doing. So <laughs> Um, in due time, man, in due time. All right. Awesome. Uh, let's just start with the NBA. Uh, the first thing I had here on the docket with the NBA traded line was the Orlando teardown, the Orlando magic. They decided to finally blow it up. They decided to finally bottom out fully bottom out from the mediocre eighth ish seed team that they once had. Uh, they trade Nikola Vucevic, they trade Aaron Gordon, they trade Evan Fournier. Um, I guess just to start off. Uh, are, are you surprised at all that this happened or just what are your overall reactions to the, the Orlando teardown? I mean, I, I'm a big proponent of if you're not winning and you're barely winning or you're 500 or flirting with it, something's got to give like, no one wants to be that team that makes the playoffs every year or every other year gets first rounded. Like that's the worst place to be in sports because if you're bad, you have a chance to rebuild. If you're good, you're going to be good for a while. And Orlando wasn't necessarily good. They weren't necessarily bad um, this season, obviously with all the injuries and stuff they had, they were pretty terrible. Um, but assuming with health next season, things were looking up. You have a bunch of nice young guard play now. Um, I like that they got rid of Aaron Gordon. I just feel like he needed to go somewhere else. I think Vucevic, he's too good of a player to have his career wasted like that. I mean, this is a guy that we talked a few off seasons ago about going to the Lakers on a pretty big deal. I mean, this is a legitimate player. Um, I'm happy that he went off to Chicago with Zach Levine. That's going to be fun. Um, and overall, uh, I'm happy for the guys that got out of Orlando, and I'm happy that now they're kind of hitting that hard reset button overall. Yeah, 
I think this was the right move. And I think I wanted them to do this maybe a year or two ago, but now actually kind of does feel like the perfect time to make to be trading some of these guys. I think Gordon, they traded maybe like three years too late to be, ter- to be perfectly honest. They, maybe they could have gotten a lot more if for him, if there was, if that mystique with Gordon that still does exist, had, 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 but that mystique I'd say was even stronger, like say two or three years ago um, when he was even more athletic then too. Uh, and they probably could have gotten more for Fournier if they didn't trade him, you know, in the final moments of his deal. Um, no. But the Vucevic trade, I mean, this is perfect time, timing for that, right? He's coming off, of, he's in a career, he's, you know, having a career season. He's um, in a long-term contract that isn't too, too expensive. Um, I, I mean, to get two top four protected first round picks for a guy like him, I'm mean, just considering his track record of a career, that's kind of a steal in, in, in a way. And I think that Bulls magic trade was really interesting. I kind of want to talk about that one first because it, to me, it was the most surprising trade of the deadline. Yeah, it was, I, it caught me off guard. Like I thought Chicago was going to get a guy like Lonzo ball. I didn't have Vucevic on the, the radar for them whatsoever. Um, I'm happy for him because him and Zach Levine, that's a good young nucleus or youngish nucleus to build around. Um, Lowry Markkinen, I think has got to go. They found their big and their guard to build around. I think um, they're still missing some pieces, but obviously it's a good start. And man, you mentioned Fournier. I, I didn't expect him to go to Boston. Like I expected Boston to get Aaron Gordon. That was really the place that everyone talked about him going to. Um, but overall, man, I think RJ Hampton coming back to the magic is an underrated piece of all the deals that happened. I think that he's a guy who really hasn't done too much this season, but he's so athletic so extreme in transition, such a fast, quick guy. He, they have him, they have Cole Anthony, um, they have Markel Fultz, they have Jonathan Isaac to build around. They have, um, who's the big that just had a really good game the other day? Okiki. Okeke. Yeah, Chuma Okiki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like him a I, lot. Yeah, heard good things about him. So, I mean, they have some pieces to build around, and I think that they're going to be okay in a few years. But I think we both agree they just needed to – give in and say, we're not going anywhere. It's time to kind of get what we can. Yeah. This team had now has a litany of former uh, top lottery picks in recent mm-hmm. years. Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba, Markel Fultz. I mean, it's a, it's like a, it's like a freakishly long line. I think now. Michael Carter Williams too. Or was he later than that? <laughs> if you want to even go, yeah. If you want to go further back, Michael yeah. Carter Williams. Um, and we don't really know like how good a lot of these guys are and or even can be right like Mo Bamba just hasn't really had a chance to play the Marco Fultz just got hurt I mean Jonathan Isaac's another one he keeps on getting hurt but even though we know like he has all defensive team potential um yeah. on that side of the ball at least so you know they have a lot of I mean a lot of a lot of unproven talent now um I mean Wendell Carter Jr. I think we've already mentioned him but I like this trade a lot this I, I to, to get a uh, a recent top what five top six pick Wendell Carter Jr. to go along with two top four protected firsts is, is, is a really good haul. Um, I mean, cons- considering that Vucevic, yeah, he's made two all-stars, but he's really more like a fringe all-star top 30 ish player in the league. You yeah. Know? Man. So. And Wendell Carter Jr. Doesn't suck. Like people keep saying, Oh, Wendell Carter Jr. Is a horrible piece to get back. Like he's a capable center who has, he lived up to expectations. no, but perhaps a change of scenery will get him to maybe elevate his game. I mean, he's 
an average-ish player. I don't really watch too much Bulls basketball to know anything about him, but um, just judging off what I've read and what I've seen, I think he's an okay piece to get back. Yeah, he just can't stay on the floor, and he just hasn't developed to the point where um, we thought he could be this Al Horford-esque big. Uh, and he's just seemed like a really high ceiling prospect, but when that the high floor prospect, excuse me, but when that, but that floor really gets affected when you can't really stay on the court and you can't really, you know, find your rhythm within the league. Right. And he just hasn't, that just hasn't happened with him at all so far in his career. Um, I think the trade out of all three of these trades, the trade that Orlando probably lost the most was the Aaron Gordon trade. This is a guy who they could have, could have gotten a lot more for a few couple years ago. And now the return for Gary, for Aaron Gordon is Gary Harris, RJ Hampton and a protected 2025 first round pick probably heavily yeah. protected 2025 first round pick. So this is not a great haul for a guy who not only was a former lottery pick, but is this athletic and has shown this many flashes in his career. And he fits on pretty much every team. Like, even if you move him to the four spot or keep him at the three, he's shooting the ball well enough now to where he can space the floor. He's a good pick and roll threat. He's a good lob finisher. He is switchable on defense. Now, people keep thinking like he's the missing link that the Nuggets now have the answer to guard LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I I still don't think that's going to happen just because Jokic obviously is not a great defender, Um, but it does give them more flexibility. It allows them to put a guy like Paul Millsap on the bench where he can kind of conserve energy, play bigger um, roles in smaller minutes. So I like the return for them. You mentioned Orlando. Like I love RJ Hampton. I'm really high on him. They still should have got more. Gary Harris is a fine guard, or I guess is he, he could play a wing position. I think he's like six, four, six, five. I view him as a guard personally. Yeah, he was. He had to be the contract going the other way, and yeah. unless you think he's a he's a plus value at all, but because to me Harris is pretty much an underwater contract. I mean, he's yep. getting paid a lot to miss every shot and get hurt a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not. I'm I'm kind of out. I've been I've been holding out hope for Harris for the last two or three years, and yeah. now I'm starting to lose lose that hope very quickly. So, yeah, and and then the protected pick, like you said, that's going to be heavily protected. I just it seems like they had some leverage and they lost it all. They settled. Um, Aaron Gordon's happy. The magic are going to act like they're happy, but I think deep down they're like, dang, we should have got more for this guy. Cause like you said, a few years ago, they could have got one hell of a package for him. And now just kind of getting what they can and hoping that Harris will one day reach his potential. I don't know how old the guy is. It feels like he's been in the league for a billion years by now. <laughs> um, and then RJ Hampton, that's a huge risk i mean he could just max out at what he is i think he's going to get better but still now you have a billion guards trying to fit in a four guard rotation or something like that he's athletic and he plays hard um i mean right now he lacks sort of the skill to be like an nba level contributor at the moment but the talent's there and he's in the end and i mean again athletically he's definitely there too i mean this guy at one point was um pegged as a potential top 10 pick um, just yep. because, just because of his profile coming out of high school. So we'll see about him. And I, 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 and I don't hate this deal just on its face and how good Gordon, how, how, how good of a player Gordon's been in, re, in like recent seasons the last year or two. Yep. But, um, but like I said, again, they, they could have gotten more for him two or three years ago uh, before his value started to sink at least a little bit. 
Um, and, and I think Gordon's a, an awesome piece for the Nuggets because he, they can use him as a cutter and off the ball. I'm really interested to see him playing more of the four um, next to Jokic where he's spacing out the floor a little bit, cutting off screens. I mean, that could be really exciting. And um, I'm, I'm I, and defensively, he adds value to them too, because he's kind of the wing, the wing defender that um, they desperately, desperately needed to even have a chance against a team like the Lakers. So. Yeah. It, losing Jeremy Grant really sucked for them. Um, they mm-hmm. needed a guy who could fill that role and play the tough defense. Michael Porter Jr. is better defensively than he was last year, but last year he was such a train wreck. He still isn't a good defensive piece. Um, I'm interested to see how that looks with him moving to the three and then Gordon playing the four. I think they'll be okay, um, but it's not like Denver was a great defensive team to begin with, but it does make their offense even more potent, I think. like It has potential to be excellent with – Jokic running high, dribble handoffs with Jamal Murray. Murray lobbing it to Gordon. Gordon passing it to Jokic. Jokic lobbing it to Gordon. I mean, there's a, a ton of options. Michael Porter Jr. is a marksman from deep. So they've got mm-hmm. some guys over there to do some damage. I still, there's something missing. I just don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but it does make them a better team, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I totally agree. Um, and then we can touch the on the Fournier thing really quickly. Um, I mean, this is a good deal for both teams because the magic don't have to bring in any salary back for yeah. that deal. They get a nice big, what, 17, $16 million exception for this mm-hmm. trade. And to get that for a guy in Fournier who they were probably, gonna, who they're probably going to lose after the season anyway. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome for them. Um, and then for the Celtics, they desperately need a wing scorer um, who can just add some depth to that really, really weak roster. Yeah. I top two. Yeah, it hasn't been great for the Celtics this season. Um, I know that you probably watched way more Celtics than I have, but man, I had really high expectations for them. And I think part of that's Kemba, part of that's Marcus Smart being injured. Part of that is, like you said, the rest of the roster not named Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Been pretty disappointing. So, I mean, it it doesn't hurt to add a guy like Fournier who can just go get buckets, um, no matter what role he's in, sixth man starting off the bench, whatever. Um, it's it never hurts to get somebody like that. Yeah. Again, they desperately need a guy who can play the, yep. the minutes that they're throwing to Shemi Ojale and uh, Aaron <laughs> Neesmith at the moment. Yep. You know? Just they absolutely desperately had to fill that hole. And then that's why this fit, that fit makes uh, a ton of sense for me. And the Celtics didn't have to give up anything really. They just slotted them into the exception they had and it all worked out. Um, Next, moving on, uh, the, let's talk about the Raptors a bit and the Kyle Lowry situation. Um, are you surprised that he didn't get dealt? I am. I really thought he was going to go either to Miami or one of the Los Angeles teams. Also, Lonzo Ball. I thought Lonzo Ball was going to go to, to the Clippers or the Bulls. So those are the two most surprising not traded guys. Um, I think Victor Oladipo is a guy that I expected to get traded, but was still shocked that he ended up where he wanted to be. But I guess to answer your initial question, instead of just dodging around it, um, (laughs) I I really did. I thought that he was going to go somewhere. And I think it's not like the Raptors didn't try to, um, and they didn't want to help him out and he didn't want to work with them. But part of it is it's time for him to go do something else. Like, he's not going to win there. They've played better basketball than they started off the season so badly. Um, But staying there with Siakam and guys like that, 
Um, then they have the Norman Powell trade for Gary Trent Jr. So I don't really know what the Raptors are going to do, but I think that in the near future, I guess at the end of the year, Kyle Lowry is going to be moving on to greener pastures. Hmm. I'm interested to see what, what he does in free, what he does in free agency, where yeah. he goes. He might just even stay there. I'm not hundred percent sure what's going to happen there. And the, the Raptors do have some pieces. I mean, Ben Bleet's locked up long-term Siakam's still a good player, even though we overrated him for about a year yeah. there. <laughs> um, uh, and, and they, they have something OG and Anobi. Um, yeah. I mean, they're now, not bad. Now, yeah. Now Gary Trent, which is who I want to talk about right now. Uh, flipping Norm Powell for younger Norm Powell, younger Norm Powell, who's better at defense. And yeah. I mean, the really bad Rodney hood, but whatever you need to make the salaries match. I, I think that's, I think it's a really good trade for them. And I thought they won that trade and I don't really understand it for Portland, to be honest. If you're in Portland, like, are you going to run? Dame, who's like six two or six three, maybe six one. I don't even know. CJ, and then Norman Powell. Like the defense there is non-existent, and it's not like they were a great defensive team before that. And then if you put Melo at the four, that's not going to help you on defense. Like I just don't get it. You literally traded, or I guess the Raptors traded Norman Powell, like you said, for younger Norman Powell, who also plays better defense and maybe has just a tad bit higher of a ceiling, if not the same. Like, it's a great deal for them. Um, the Rodney Hood thing, like you said, I could really not really care um, less about just the salaries or whatever. He's been um, awful this year. Yeah, it, like he, Rodney Hood's really bad, bad yeah. right now. <laughs> um, so he's not going to really add anything there. But, man, I like that a lot for Toronto and for Portland. I just don't understand it. Like, I, I don't even know where they were coming from. It's not like Norman Powell's a defensive stopper at six foot four and could play the, the three. He's, he's not. He just gets buckets. He's not a terrible defender. I, I'm not, he's not like Zach Levine bad. Oh, no, no, no. He's like an average defender. And I, and to yeah. me, Trent competed a little bit more on that end and, and it brought a little more value on that end. Um, and yeah. then and also he's what, six years younger. So, and I like Norm Powell. Norm Powell's better off the dribble in terms of creating his own shot than Gary Trent is. But at the same time, I want the younger player and I'm willing to risk the offer sheet, right? Since Trent's going to be yeah. a restricted free agent this offseason, which is why they want to trade him in the first place. But what's the point of doing that if then you're going to throw money at Norm Powell? because Norm Powell is also a free agent after the season. So I don't really understand what they're doing because I don't think it's a great fit on the court. And then contractually, like it might even be a worse situation. And they don't need shot creation. Like they have guys who can create their own shot. They have Melo, they have Dane, they have CJ. Like they don't need that. They have guys who are going to dominate the ball and take threes and get buckets. Like they have floor spacers. They have ball dominant guys. They, they didn't need Norman Powell. And I, for anyone listening, we both like Norman Powell. Like we have yeah. nothing against the guy. He's a good player, but it, he just wasn't needed. I, I just don't understand it, man. You know who they needed? Who's that? Aaron Gordon. They needed Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon would have been nice for them. He's the perfect fit for them, right? Because he can cut yeah. off ball and space the floor a little bit offensively. Yeah. So he's not a total minus there. And he gives you the athleticism and the size and the flexibility on defense that the team desperately needs, you know, yeah. because they need like two more Derek Jones juniors. Right. <laughs> but they only have one Derek Jones junior and uh, Gordon kind of helps solve that problem for them. I think he yeah. would have been a perfect fit in Portland. Um, why, why you don't trade, why don't why you don't trade Gary Trent to port to Orlando, you know, in, in a deal with, with Hood's contract and maybe like a pick, right? Yeah. Why isn't that your offer? 
for to Orlando for Aaron Gordon. I don't understand that. I, well, I and then if you're then if you're Orlando, you get Gary Trent back, and that's a pretty decent return and yeah. a pick that's instead of RJ Hampton. Hampton and uh, Gary Harrison a pick. Like I, I'd take that return over the one they got any day. Yeah, I totally agree, and it, it, it's it it kind of bewilders me that that wasn't mm. that wasn't the case. Um, yeah. Uh, let's move on from the Toronto thing. I, the, I mean, the only other trades that they made were they dealt Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas for second round picks. But I mean, those trades to me felt like, oh, they're setting up for a Kyle Lowry trade. And then it never happened, which is also, which is just really, really strange. Um, and and I'll, I didn't really give my take on Lowry, but I, I agree. It was kind of bizarre that, did, that they didn't deal him, especially after yeah. doing those trades, you know, yeah. like all the signals were there. Um, but I guess, Miami didn't want to give up Hero, and which we were, which is what the team we're going to talk about next. And then the Sixers, we're, who are also going to talk about later, um, just decided to settle on George Hill. So, <laughs> which I I, yeah. I think is a great fit for them. But uh, yeah. let's talk about the Heat. Um, the Heat added Victor Oladipo, uh, which is I guess culturally a really interesting fit because these two, I mean those two sides, Oladipo and the Heat. They've been kind of circling around each other for years now. Um, yeah. Oladipo, there's a lot of mutual interest there, heat culture. Uh, and they got him for almost nothing, <laughs> basically. <laughs> uh, Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, and the right to pick swap the Rockets or Nets first round pick uh, with Miami's. Uh, and the pick is the swap is top 14 protected. So it's kind of this. A confusing complex thing but they can go up a few spots in the first round this year if things work out but anyway yep. that doesn't matter as much because i mean they got oladipo again for almost nothing and they also brought in nemanja bielitsa for again almost nothing they really improved their team without again almost giving up nothing uh you follow the c team pretty quick pretty closely uh, jordan so how how much better of a team are they now after this after these deadline moves and I don't want to overrate Victor Oladipo at this point. Um, I think he came off that injury. I think he wasn't happy. I think we'll see the best version of him either this year, or next year in Miami that we have in a few years. Um, but he came back and was an okay player. Now I, I don't know how much of a factor he will be defensively anymore. The first thing is just getting healthy and staying healthy, which I think he'll be able to do. Then it's kind of figuring out where he fits on that team. Dragic came back on a deal. Heroes there. Duncan Robinson's there. Jimmy Butler's there. Bam's there. The Heat need Bam to be more aggressive. Like if Jimmy is playing the way he has been and Bam plays the way he has been, the Heat can be like this, I want to say third best team in the East just because Brooklyn and Philly to me are bonkers right now. Um, But last year, it's not like the Heat were the number one seed heading into the playoffs. Like they just really are a playoff built team. Um, they're missing a guy like Jay Crowder. I think Iguodala is a nice ad for them to have, um, but I think they're missing a guy like Jay who can spot up and hit threes. He can play good defense. He's switchable. They're not missing a guy like Myers Leonard, um, both on and off the court. They're not missing a guy like Kelly Olenek on the court. They're not really missing any of those guys. Derek Jones Jr. is doing better now that he's out of the um, organization. So they're a better team, I think, but it's hard to tell just how much because of all the moving parts and kind of what Oladipo is going to be when he's locked in. Mm, mm. 
Yeah, I, I, I pretty much agree. Um, I'm not a huge Oladipo guy, no. uh, at least recently. I mean, I, I, I actually liked the move originally for the Rockets when they brought him in. I yep. thought he could sort of keep the ship afloat and um, help to be competitive right now. Uh, but because they had a bunch of veterans that were interesting and it was a lot of guys that, you, you know, nobody, be- they had kind of that nobody believes in us mentality a little bit. And then yep. it just became an utter disaster. The moment Christian Wood got hurt. So mm-hmm. I, to me, just as he hasn't seemed like the same player for what, and now it's multiple seasons mm-hmm. for what, two, three years. And since that incredible, what, 2018 season he had with Indiana yep. and I, I have trouble believing that he's going to be the same guy again, especially because I think athletic, in terms of athleticism, his athleticism, it's kind of gone. His attitude isn't great. I mean, I guess if anyone's going to resurrect him, it's the heat. So there's, that's a great fit there. And I would have made the trade too, because they didn't really, again, they didn't really give up much of anything, right? I mean, you get off that Olenek contract, you were overpaying him anyway, even though he has been pretty good this season. Um, you get off of your Bradley who just didn't really work. <laughs> it's just kind of funny because yeah. they, the Heat traded both the, both their free agent signings this year um, because neither of them really worked out at all. Um, and then they give up this pick swap that wasn't super valuable in the first place. So was, as long as you're not giving up anything of like of actual value for him, do it right. And he fits yeah. into your culture. And this all you have is all there is a ceiling for this for this move, right? And if he's really bad, you just let him go out in free agency, right? So I, I, from a move standpoint, I think it's a, it's a good move for them. Um, but at the same time, I don't have a lot of hope in terms of him being like a real contributor for this team. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you just, it doesn't hurt kind of like adding Fournier to the Celtics. It doesn't hurt. Um, you're not expecting him to save anything that's going on, but um, if things work out, it could be a nice kind of icing on the cake for them. I honestly think Fournier is actually better at basketball at this point. Ah. Uh, that uh, are you looking at his shooting numbers this year he's been in a, no, he's been I, an efficient scorer he can ball handle he's a little bit a good year. um i mean oladipo uh, just hasn't been a good player for like two years just not been a good player really at all for two years he doesn't compete the same way yeah. defensively he doesn't add much as a playmaker his athleticism has waned he's shown flashes here and there in terms of his like explosive scoring ability but it hasn't been at the again still hasn't been at the same level that it was pre-injury so no. I don't, I mean, I just see a guy who is kind of feels like damaged goods at this point. Um, so, but so, and if you're going to bring him in, you shouldn't give up anything for him. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's just enough evidence to the point where I've kind of lost hope on him because I had some hope. Uh, if you asked me mm-hmm. a year ago, I would have said, Oh, he, he could definitely be the same guy he used to be. And now I, I, I have trouble seeing that world. Yeah. I don't think he'll ever be that guy. I think he'll be better than he has been to a point. Like I think his efficiency will bounce back a little bit. I think he'll have some nights where he is not the guy for them, but maybe the number two guy Um, they've got, there's some chance. I mean that he competes on defense and stuff like that. But like you said, he's never going to be the 23 point per game score, the leader of the franchise, the defensive stopper at his six foot four, six foot five frame or whatever. He's just never going to be that guy. And that sucks because he's what, probably 28 years old. Yeah, he's 28. He's 28. Okay, 28. So it's sad. Um, But there's a ton of evidence to show that he he just hasn't really shown anything that he's going to ever be that guy again. Mm, I totally agree. Um, But the move I did love that they made, um, 
even though I liked the Oladipo move, the move I loved was the Bielitsa move. I mean, this is yeah. a really skilled big who needs to get his butt out of Sacramento. He's been, need- yeah. he's been, I mean, I, I, I would, I've been really wanting to see this guy on an actual team for a couple of years now. And now he's finally on this heat, this really interesting heat team. And he kind of replaces the Olenek minutes and he's probably better than Kelly Olenek. Yeah. And Spolstra's playoff rotations are just absolutely insane. Like that guy just, I feel like he has two separate like brains that he can like interchange. Like he has the regular season brain and then just literally swaps it out and is like completely different come playoff time. But it's also the same in that he trusts the guys, but just kind of divvies up. And every coach does that, obviously. But there's something about those Spolstra rotations where like even if it's for like a three minute spurt, of some guy like by golly you were getting the best three minutes that guy has played in like months and I think Belitsa will have a stretch like that in the postseason where he's healthy he's fitting in with the team comes off the bench hits a few threes to make a big swing in a playoff game like I think that's what he was brought in to do and gives them another option um, for their bigs another floor spacer there if Bam is on the court with them so Again, it can't hurt like that is the theme of this trade deadline where there aren't a lot of moves that hurt teams by addition um, or by subtraction, but it can't hurt to bring in a guy who has a proven skill set and needed a better opportunity, I think. I love your point of there was a lot of moves that helped but didn't really move the needle, and there weren't a lot of moves that were really questionable. There's a lot of like, oh, that's a nice move. There's a lot Uh of that this year, and – the exception to that, though, is the next trade we're going to talk about. Well, well, it might be the exception, depending on what you think. Um, but it's the Rondo trade. Uh, Rondo gets sent to the Clippers for Lou Williams and two second-round picks. Probably the strangest trade of the offs of the uh, of the trade deadline. Um, it doesn't stun me that the Clippers wanted Rondo. They they need sort of that ball mover. They need that guy who's fearless in the postseason. But the question is, can Rondo? be the guy he was in the playoffs last year um and that's a huge huge risk this was the one trade that felt like a big 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 swing to me and i don't hate it but to be giving up lou williams and two second round picks for a guy on a really bad contract and who may just be horrible for them and not even make the rotation i don't know it's it's just it's just risky you know, because if he plays yeah. well, then it's more than worth the trade. So, I, it, yeah, this was the one big swing of the deadline, in my opinion. Well, and man, I'm just going to address the Hawks side of it first, because that doesn't really need to talk too much about the defense there is going to be horrible. Um, I love Lou Williams. I think he's a microwave off the bench. Him and Trey Young, those minutes are going to be like hawks that's going to be on brand for the hawks backcourt pretty much so those minutes happen they can't let those minutes happen so um should they make the playoffs you you have to stagger those minutes which i think that they they would and they're playing better basketball as of late but man for the clippers like rondo is so smart and so competitive and so hard to get along with like him and lebron two of the smartest players in the league like i'm not trying to call Kawhi a low IQ basketball player or Paul George, low IQ, but they're not a LeBron. There's just something there to where the leadership isn't the same. The IQ isn't the same. I'm not saying Rondo's going to bump heads with them and it's not going to work out, Mm. but I'm thinking like, man, I don't know. Like, did you watch the, uh, I guess it was Tuesday night's game 
when the Clippers absolutely collapsed against the Magic? Um, I, I didn't they, catch. I didn't catch it. They, no. Yeah, they blew a sixteen-point lead in the fourth quarter, and like that just gave me flashbacks. I don't trust the Clippers, man. I they're a loaded roster, a great team, two superstar players, or I guess one superstar and one star player, whatever you want to look at it like. I just don't trust them. And I think Rondo can be that stabilizing factor come playoff time. But like you said, it's a risk because if it doesn't work, you gave up your sixth man of the year candidate and two picks for a guy who may not even play meaningful minutes moving forward. You make a great point with that magic game because the Clippers have been awful at the end of games all season. Yeah, They've been one of the yeah. worst teams in the league at closing out fourth quarters. Um, that's not narrowly placed on Kawhi, but it kind of goes with the theme of this team in that when, when, when the games get tight, they tend to collapse. And we saw the ultimate version of that last year in the playoffs. And we've only yeah. seen the same ever since, despite the fact that they did churn out, they did uh, change up a decent bit of their rotation. Um, adding Kennard and, and doing a couple other moves, but Bat- putting Batum into the rotation. Um, and this Rondo deal is meant to sort of stabilize that and to add a quote unquote killer at the end of games. But <laughs> at the same time, it's Rondo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this guy could blow up in your face, like the Dallas situation or the, even the Atlanta situation where he did absolutely nothing. Or it could be like the Lakers situation where he was a godsend for that team. Or even the Sacramento situation where he was kind of fun. Or, you know, so we don't, you don't know which Rondo you're going to get. And I, I think that's the problem with this trade when you trade away a guy in Lou Williams who, I mean, certainly wasn't helping them at the end of games. I mean, talk about not playing well in the playoffs, Lou Williams, yikes. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like he was even more stable than Rondo. And then you give up two second round picks and bring in Rondo's bad contract. You're, this is a violent move for the Clippers. And yeah. I, 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 if it blows up in their face, then I don't, I don't think anyone can you know, say they didn't see it coming. That, that's yeah. all I'm going to say. Man, the Clippers, I've called them this before. They're the Baltimore Ravens of the NBA. They have that guy. <laughs> who has been talked about as the best player in the league has been claimed as the best player in the league by many people at never any point in his career has been the best player in the league. They have the, Oh wow. They're so good. They play great defense. They're electric. They're this, they're that on paper. They should win the championship. They are front runners. They can get out to a lead and blow people out. The second they get punched in the mouth, they can't do anything. You get out ahead of Lamar Jackson by a couple touchdowns. The odds of him coming back are very low. You get out ahead of the Clippers. They aren't going to come back. They get out to those leads. They can blow them just as easily. I, I don't trust them. I think they're an on paper team. Um, They're kind of a, I'll believe it when I see it type of team. And I think that it's fitting that this Rondo move is an I'll believe it when I see it type of transaction for them. I I mean, I don't want to go off too far of a tangent, but I mean, (laughs) The Raven, you're pretty harsh on the Ravens, dude. I, I, I gotta say, the Ravens are arguably the second best team in the AFC. There's nothing wrong with that, but the Clippers are arguably the second best team in the Western Conference. You oh, know that, what I mean? That comeback they had against the Browns is really impressive, and they even came back in the Titans game in the wild card round. I know, but the Bills I, beat them because the Bills were just better. I, I I'm not least, saying it's but, impossible. I'm not saying it's impossible. Yeah, but I'm, I'm unlikely. I, I think like. 
what the Ravens team, I guess la- this year is now last year, but of two years ago was like kind of perfect for this, for that, yeah. for that comparison. Um, but I, it, but and we're nit, we're picking nits here. I, I wonder if our mutual friend Alex Weiner, who's a Ravens fan and a Clippers fan, <laughs> I wonder if he would agree with that. We have to cut this up and send it to him for sure. This little segment, I um, we'll leave out the part where I say sorry, Alex. I hope you're not mad, but we'll just send him the the part before that. <laughs> uh, righty. Um, let's move on. Uh, so there's two last trades I just want to uh, touch on quickly. Um, you picked the trade in terms of which trade was better for the contender. George Hill to the Sixers in that three-team deal or J.J. Redick and Nikola Melli to the Mavs? I'm going to go J.J. Redick to the Mavs. Ooh. And I love George Hill. I think he. I think they're, they're pretty close. Like, it's not like a, a landslide um, by any means. But – the Mavs needed a guy who could shoot. Um, Terry hasn't been that guy. The rookie they drafted, who th- they thought, like, I don't know why you think a rookie's going to replace Seth Curry. That ain't happening. Like, that dude is one of the best shooters in the NBA um, and proven. So that is a huge get for them. I wanted J.J. Redick to get out of that situation in New Orleans and get to a team. Listen, like, Dallas, I know they've been up and down this season. I know COVID's hit them as hard, if not harder, than any team. I know they've had injuries. Porzingis is still getting back to strength. If they can get into the playoffs and be somewhat at full strength or somewhat vibing as a team, they're going to be tough to get out. Now, seeding might screw them in the first round, and it could be one and done. But, man, Lucas showed last postseason, if he gets going, it's going to be hard to keep him out of the like even one playoff series against arguably the best team in the conference. Like if they have a Porzingis being healthy, um, they might have got past the Clippers last year. It's one of those things where I think a guy like Redick can come off the bench and shoot. Um, I don't really think you start him at this point in his career, especially with no. Richardson at the two guard spot. He's way more of a defensive stopper than a aging JJ Redick, who's also a small player, but. He can come off the bench and shoot the lights out, and they needed a guy like that. Yeah, they needed more shooting, which sounds weird because they had technically the best offense of all time last season. Um, But their shooting hasn't been great from the three-point range of this year. Um, It's been better after that really horrid start they had. But the same when you lose Seth Curry and you bring in Josh Richardson, who isn't a great three, who is an okay three-point shooter, but not a great one at all. Um, you lose a little something there. And then yep. you get a lot of guys with career years, the three-point line last year. Um, now they've regressed back to the mean. And so now you're stuck with this team with a bunch of mediocre role players and an off-injured uh, Christoph Porzingis and uh, your one superstar in Luca. So when you yep. bring in two guys who at least have the ability to be elite shooters, if not are already elite shooters in Melly and Redick, it's a really good move. Um, so I had to think really long and hard between which trade I thought was actually better for the contender, but I'm going to go with the George Hill trade because we've been screaming for years with the Sixers team that they need more guard depth, right? They need, they need another point guard. They can't just survive on shake Milton. Um, and now they've kind of answered that and adding a solid veteran who can hit threes and George Hill. And that's exactly what they needed. And he can give them a little bit on defense. He gives them that sort of that veteran presence in the backcourt that they could probably use. I, I love this move for them, to be honest. And I, I think this works a little, and I like this a little bit better than the Reddick move because I'm not 
a big Melly guy in general. And Reddick has shown, I mean, given his age, he might, he might just not be good now. There's a real shot. I, I respect JJ Reddick. I, re, I respect his podcast, especially as well. But at the same time, I mean, when you're only shooting what, like 36% from three, which is what he's doing this year, then that's a little worrying, especially with his age. And I mean, if he doesn't, uh, he's injured right now, but when, he, if he comes back and doesn't perform, to anywhere near the level that he used to be that then he just won't even be in the playoff rotation so then this trade becomes a little bit less of a plus for them um but yeah i mean i i i still like these moves for both these teams i'm just gonna go with the george hill one i just think the ceiling on the floor is higher on that one on that deal well and i think george hill could play a key role in a deep playoff game for them and i mean that would make the ceiling higher too so i definitely it's it was tough for me to think as well. Um, and like you said, you can't really go wrong with either of them. So I definitely could understand why um, you'd think the Hill trade's better because they're both fun. But I see Philly going way further in the playoffs than the Mavericks this year, um, barring seeding kind of working out unfavorably for Philly or anything like that. Like if they match up with the Nets in the first round, well, then I don't know about that. But assuming they're going to be one of those top seeds, man. I think that George Hill is going to play some really quality minutes for them, and he's a really quality player, so I definitely get that. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he didn't play really quality minutes in the playoffs yeah. and because he's a guy who can play in an eight-man rotation in the NBA yeah. Finals. I he's mean, we've reliable. seen it from him already, and why can't he do it again? So I, that's why I think it's a really good move. This is that Him going to Philly is just the perfect move for them. Um, let's talk about a couple of the buyout guys before we get to the NFL stuff. Uh, so Drummond to the Lakers, any reaction to this? I mean, as long as the uh, Lakers don't play the Sixers in the finals and the, I, then I think he can actually contribute for this team. Yeah. I, there have been two extremes that I've seen. One of them, Drummond sucks. He's going to clog up the paint. He's going to suck. I don't think that's true. Then the other one, oh my God, he saved the day. They're going to be perfect, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's also not true. Like, is he going to contribute? Yes. Is he going to play defense? Yes. Is he going to get some steals and clog up passing lanes and block some shots? Yes. Is he going to take a lot of dribbles, take jump shots that he isn't skilled enough to take, kind of make low IQ plays? Yes, he is. Do they need someone to kind of stabilize that five spot until Anthony Davis A is healthy and be able to do that himself. Yes, I think so. So it never hurts. to. I feel like I've said that 50 times on the podcast so far, but it doesn't hurt to add a guy like that. And I think that um, it's a solid addition. Um, people need to kind of temper their expectations, I think, for him. Um, but it, it definitely is a solid pickup for them. Mm, I totally agree. Um, I... And they, they need another big given yeah. Gasol's lack of mobility on that end makes him a, a liability in the playoffs. And then, and then just Harold, just not really being able to play center oh, in man. a postseason situation, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, yeah. I mean, personal stuff aside, which that's a very valid reason to not be on your game, but in the playoffs, when those rotations shrink down, you need a guy who can guard fives capably. Um, and I think that, like you said, Drummond way better of a fit than a guy like Harrell. Or even Gasol. And, and, but with Harrell yeah. specifically, I mean, he has just has been too, he has, hasn't been that great this season, you know, hasn't mm-hmm. been sort of the, the sort of contributor that the Lakers envisioned him being. Uh, Schroeder's yeah. been a lot more valuable 
um, for that team. And kind of, he's been kind of the energy booster in the backcourt that they desperately needed even last season um, that Rondo ended up giving it them, giving to them at the end of last season. But now they've replaced in a younger and better shooting version of that. And it's more of a stable version of that. And Dennis Schroeder, um, yeah. but with Harrell, he can't contribute as well offensively in the, in the post, in a postseason format when it's, I, I don't know. He just doesn't really, since he can't really space the floor, you have to put him at the five. And that means putting him with AD in playoff scenarios when you want when AD should ideally be the five. And now he's not really playing as much and he can't contribute defensively because he can only really guard fives because he doesn't really have the, like the, the, the lateral quickness, the guard, wings or guards of yeah. course and then doesn't have the size the guard centers and when you have that much of a liability on defense in the postseason you got to be a great great offensive player and offensively he just hasn't been consistent enough especially when he can't space the floor at all so in the po- in a postseason scenario he just becomes a giant liability and he hasn't he hasn't done he hasn't been good enough at the things that he does well at this year to be confident yeah. in him bucking, potentially bucking that trend. So that's why I got, got, I got to add in a guy like Drummond who, yeah, he might not play the last five minutes of game seven of the finals, <laughs> but he can have, he can give you 15 quality minutes off the bench, you know, a lot of rebounds, uh, a little bit of defense and can kind of be the guy that they're missing, you know, because I, yeah. I love watching Gasol play with LeBron. I think they're, they're awesome together with their, with their ball movement and their chemistry. Right. But his lack of mobility just makes him a giant liability when it comes in the, comes to the postseason. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm completely with you. I would add something, but you hit pretty much every uh, point that I wanted to bring up. So you're good to go, man. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good problem to have. Trust me. <laughs> Um, I'm going to let you run with this one though. Uh, Aldridge to the nets. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, you're rubbing the your temples. <laughs> yes. For those of you who are listening and can't see this, I'm rubbing my temples. Um, dude, he's, he's a fine player. Like whatever. He's not, he had a quote about like being able to switch on defense and bring them value. Okay. He isn't a, he's that. not a good he, that's what I said. He's someone quote tweeted with like a two minute clip this season of him being completely out of place on defense, not giving any effort. Like I like LaMarcus Aldridge a lot. He's a mid range God. I like his post-up game. The dude can't play defense like straight up. That's just not who he is anymore. Um, especially considering he was never like a lockdown defender to begin with. He is bad on defense now. Now, if it's like a Blake Griffin thing where he goes and like, gets seven blocks and three steals in his first game with the Nets, I'd be absolutely ticked off. But I think the chances of that are like well less than 1% to where I'm willing to say he's not a good defender anymore. Um, I do like what he can bring offensively. I also don't think it's like those two extremes. Like the one extreme, it's a stupid move. He's not going to add anything. I think he will add something. Also, it doesn't make the Nets unstoppable. Like the whole, oh, they're doing all this to beat a 36-year-old who's injured right now just stop like Blake Griffin is not Blake Griffin anymore granted he very well could turn back into somewhat of Blake Griffin um, but Aldridge is not much Aldridge anymore they're just depth pieces right now that team still needs to play defense they added two guys who don't bring anything on defense Um, they're going to score well over 100 points a game 
they're going to give up well over 100 points a game. And I think that's going to be the Nets brand of basketball moving forward this season. And I don't think it moves the needle that much, but it never hurts to have depth. Yeah, it never hurts to have depth because now they have out of the four bigs they have. So DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin. We had, I was going to talk about Griffin uh, next, but let's just add okay. him into this conversation as well. Um, with DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Nick Claxton. Um, Claxton's the guy that they need, <laughs> yes. right? Because he gives them defense and energy and the necessary size. And he's a lot more switchable than, than yeah. any of those three other guys. But I mean, Griffin is kind of a Swiss army knife with his passing ability. Um, and at least he can be an effective rebounder and kind of help him out on that end. Um, and, and it, so far it's been early, but so far it seems like when he's, he's thrived and been a lot more of a contributor um, when he's playing with better players. Well, he's and, a lob threat now too. I mean, all of a sudden just <laughs> turned right back into a lob threat and rim runner. So I played a whole different player. Imagine that. I mean, people are cutting off of him. I mean, you could run plays where people are cutting off of him on the high post yeah. and yeah. use his passing ability in really fun ways. Sort of what the Lakers do with Mark Gasol, right? Because when yeah. you put Gasol with a great, great player like LeBron and, sort of their chemistry and their basketball brains click. You're kind of seeing that a little bit with Kyrie and Blake Griffin and, yeah. and James Harden and Blake Griffin. But in, and then you look at DeAndre Jordan, who's the worst version of Nick Claxton. And I don't <laughs> want to really want to talk about him too much because he just isn't very good. And then there's Aldridge who gives them the floor spacing, right? He gives yeah. them the scoring ability underneath and they have all these bigs who kind of give them something different. And yeah. that's what they're going to use the regular season for is sort of, uh, test out who sort of works at in what spots and what rotations work in, for in what areas. And it's never a bad thing to have depth. Will yeah. any of these guys contribute in, in the postseason in, in these big games? Right. Um, probably not. Uh, I, yeah. I, I mean, I could see Aldridge maybe coming in on a pinch and giving him a little scoring, and yeah. in right in right miss in right matchups, right? Say another team goes small and they can throw Aldridge out there who can help them space the foreign offense if defensively. Um he he, he can and, and it's more it would be more of an offense thing, not defensively, but offensively <laughs> yeah. it would just be like he'd be a floor spacer, right? And he'd also be able to, you know, create create mismatches on the block, right? If another yeah. team was playing small. Yeah, so yeah. I can kind of see that, but this Blake Griffin thing is fun right now, but I don't think that's, I, I don't see what he brings in the postseason to, yeah. you know, potentially Man. help a team, but on, see. on like a, such a ball dominant team too. Like I, I'm probably the biggest Blake Griffin fan out there. One of the biggest Blake Griffin fans, but man, they don't need a player like that. Really. They, it kind of just gives, it's a luxury, I guess. And I don't know how many games Harden KD and, Kyrie have played together it's not a lot especially with KD no. being injured and Kyrie taking time off um, Harden's just been that main constant for them um, they're still playing great basketball so they still have a lot of gelling to go yeah before the playoffs so if they can get everybody back kind of in sync I think like you said Aldrich does have certain scenarios and situations where he can step in and play Blake you just kind of throw out there and see what happens like there's no <laughs> There's no situation where you're like, oh, we need Blake to come in and do this. Like, yeah, you, you really yeah. don't. Like, he's just kind of a fun, let's have him come in and get a couple touches at the high post. Let's run a dribble handoff. Let's have him get a lob from Kyrie. Let's see if he can space and shoot it through a couple three pointers. Like, it's just one of those things, but he's fun to watch. And I hope that with the Nets, he 
keeps tapping back into that old Blake Griffin instead of the I can't jump, I can't run, I can't shoot, I can't do anything, Blake. I mean, he had everybody sold. Granted, it's only been a few games in Brooklyn. There's still quite a bit of a ways to go. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with you that neither of these guys are going to help him at all defensively, but they've been better defensively in the recent weeks. They have. Um, I, I, I think they're, what, 19th in the league? 18th yeah. in the league in, over the last, um, I mean, a couple month or two. Um, so I, you know, if they can keep that up, then it's going to be really hard to beat them because they have the best offense in the league when you have three super duper stars and yeah. shooters and role players who can make plays. And it's, it's, it's really overwhelming, you know? Yeah. And, but at the end of the day, like Bruce Brown's better for them in that fifth spot in, in crunch time, you know, for example. Right. Yeah. You know, even Nick Claxton's better than either of those guys in the in a yeah. crunch time pinch. Um, I might even take Timothy Luolu Cabarro in a couple situations, to be totally honest with you. Um, but I definitely take Bruce Brown for one. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that, that's pretty much the buyout guys for you. I mean, this year's buyout uh, talk was was very rampant, but yeah. just because of the big names. But I, I, again, like every year, we have this buyout talk, and these guys almost these guys barely contribute if contribute if do anything you know so i I... there's a reason they're buyouts (laughs) you know what i mean like it's it's not like they're it's not like lebron's getting bought out or like luca's gonna get bought out or kd or hard like if kate or harden wasn't happy they weren't gonna buy him out mid-season and send him like there's a reason these guys are bottom of the barrel like let's they're lottery tickets basically and like if you can hit on one I can't name a ton of buyout players who have gone on to save the day in the postseason just because yeah. that doesn't really happen. But exactly. they're they're kind of just fun things to talk about, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a good media talking point. So we talk about it a lot. And then people complain about the fact that people yes. that players are getting bought out. Like it's yeah. not fair for the small market teams. Well, they don't really help anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh Dr- Drummond might actually help and might actually play in the finals if they get there. But th- that's yeah. really it though. The other two guys, I don't see Griffin and Aldrich doing anything. Um let's go to the NFL. Uh switching gears here. Uh a big trade was made though. The, the Dolphins started doing things and the Niners have found a quarterback, their quarterback, someone uh, mm-hmm. to break it all down. Uh, there's no one better to break it all down than the one and only Jordan foot, of course. So <laughs> my question for you is the Niners is let's start with the Niners because we always want to start with the quarterback, right? Yeah. 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 They now have the number three overall pick after trading up from 12 and trading two firsts and a third. So with that being the case, uh, what quarterback do you think they want and what quarterback do you think they should get? I think they, I think they want Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. Zach Wilson though, right? Isn't Zach Wilson going to? Yeah. I think they want Zach Wilson and Justin Fields and they're going to get Justin Fields because it's going to go Lawrence and Fields or uh, Lawrence and Wilson in order. Like, I think that is not a lock at this point because obviously you can't say that, but Lawrence is going one. We've known that since the season ended Um, and Wilson did enough at his pro day to where I think he and he's been linked to the jets all along. Granted, I'd like to see Wilson in that offense in San Francisco and Shanahan system, but Man, Fields is one hell of an athlete. Like, he tested well at his pro day. He threw well. Um, Fields is going to be a good player, I think. I personally prefer Wilson just because of the ceiling. I don't think either guy 
is necessarily ready to step in and play week one, which listen, man, I, I'm not a big Jimmy Garoppolo guy. I think that there are some quarterbacks where if the team around him is perfect, you can get to a Super Bowl. We saw that with San Francisco in 2019, the 2020 Super Bowl, where the team around him was so freaking good that they got to the Super Bowl and then Jimmy couldn't kind of produce the goods. Like the Chiefs came back and Jimmy couldn't keep up with them. Granted, that deep ball to Sanders, if it's not dropped, they take the lead, blah, 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 blah. The rest is history. But if you kind of read between the lines, Jimmy's not that dude. Like Jimmy's just a serviceable starting quarterback. He He's a handsome dude. He's Jimmy G, the the handsome face of the San Francisco 49ers, who I think is a perfect bridge quarterback for whoever they take. And I think it's going to be Justin Fields. I think that it's going to be increasingly difficult to keep him on the bench. I don't think that they are that good of a team anymore compared to the Super Bowl level squad they had. Like it's not a, you add a quarterback and they're Super Bowl contenders, unless that quarterback is like a Deshaun Watson. And that's just an, whole nother jar of worms I'm not going to open um, in terms of that so um, long story short I think they're going to end up with Fields man and I think that Fields does need to sit for a little bit he's not necessarily a one read quarterback right now but he's not necessarily more than that I mean he has that long wonky wind up I think he just had some things to tighten up and once he does that he'll be a fun fit there Hmm. interesting this is really interesting because I heard or what I've been hearing is that this is going to be Mac Jones going three to them. Oh dear, Koki. I'm not saying I. This is what I think should happen. I know. But this is what I'm I hearing because he's a perfect <laughs> system fit. And was that, that Chris Sims? No, this is just I, I've heard this from multiple different people okay. actually. But like, okay, I'm I. It, it, he's the perfect system fit. He's and, a pro, and he's like the 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 perfect Kyle oh, Shanahan yeah. quarterback and he okay. can mold him to whatever he wants him to be. Do they want this to be the pick? No. Does it, yeah. Do you think anyone wants this to be the pick? I don't know. Anyone th- thinks this should be the pick. I don't think so, but this is just what I'm hearing when I, you know, when I go on the internets and it, it, yeah. look up the good old Mac Jones. Um, I, I it probably fine. should be fields. You're right. It should be fields or Lance. You're right. But, I mean, it could be Mac Jones, and then if that happens, all hell break, breaks loose, right? Yeah, and I like Mac Jones. Like, I don't have anything against him as a player, but, like, that ceiling is so low. Like, you think of Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, Lance. Mac Jones has the lowest ceiling out of all those four guys. Now, in terms of floor, Mac Jones is a close to an NFL-ready quarterback, I think. Like, I like Mac Jones. I think he can step in and play well week one, like – I hate to be that guy, but you think of the Patriots, if they needed a people bring up Tom Brady, like obviously Mac Jones is not Tom Brady. Anyone listening, please don't think I'm trying to say that, (laughs) but in terms of that guy who just knows what he's supposed to do and can come in and do it. If they still had that Super Bowl level roster without all these contracts that like this Patriots seems completely different now, which is pretty fun. Um, But man, I think Trey Lance is their guy. Um, not to go down a rabbit hole or anything, um, meaning New England. Oh, but, interesting. Mac Jones for San Fran. I, I get it. I mean, they still have a good roster, like not a Super Bowl level one, I think. But if 
that's not a tremendous gigantic upgrade though you know what i mean what's the point of getting mac jones if you already have jimmy garoppolo that's my question that's what i was gonna say like it's kind of a lateral move a little bit <laughs> like I, I i and you're giving up picks for a lateral i'd be very frustrated if i were a 49ers fan and then they went and got mac jones number four like i'd probably i would stop being a fan <laughs> okay uh, no that, that that's yes. not true no yes oh, i would oh stop my god and that doesn't mean mac jones is bad but you're basically handing the dolphins picks to move up to four to get basically the same quarterback or tier of quarterback you already have yeah yeah i yeah i i i tend to agree with you i, I would take if you're gonna go up to three and trade up like that then you must think the high ceiling or guy three, is the sorry. guy you want yeah. you know um but I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it feels like they're over. If that's going to be, if Mac Jones is going to be the pick, which it sounds like it might, this might actually be the case, then yeah. it sounds like they're just over overthinking it to me. You know, I feel like this is a Mac Jones hate club now. And I, we, we don't dislike Mac Jones. This is not an anti Mac Jones podcast, but man, like you don't trade up that high to get a quarterback who doesn't yeah, but he have should a be available at like 15 for the Patriots, you know, like he should know. Be... Yes. You don't do that and trade up for Mac Jones like that. It's like trading up for Jimmy Garoppolo. Like you just don't do it. Yeah. The Pats could use Mac Jones. He'd be a good fit there. Oh yeah. I, I would like that. That would actually be nice for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, well, again, we'll see. Uh, it, it, I think it's fascinating that they traded up. Um, I'm, yeah. I have no idea who they want. It, it, there's reports that it's Mac Jones, but I could also see if, I don't think it's going to be Justin Fields. I, I, I honestly, if I had the bet, like if I was making the pick, it'd probably be Justin Fields, but yeah. If I had to bet, I don't think it's going to actually be Justin Fields. I think it's probably going to be Trey Lance if if it's not Mac Jones. And there's a decent chance because he's also kind of a system fit as well. They run a lot of play action. Um, they're run first team. Like that makes sense to me. And he's got a high ceiling and I could see them kind of falling in love with him. I, I think it's kind of a battle between those two guys for the third pick. And then Atlanta's probably going to trade down from four. Would you say? Yeah, I I could see it, but man, to that to that Lance point, real quick, if they really want to commit to Garoppolo for this season and run it back one more time with him, no quarterback needs to sit for an entire year more than Trey Lance. Like that dude cannot step in and start playing week one. I think um, the ceiling is there, the tools are there. He needs to sit for a minute, and I think that um, I didn't even consider that, but I do like Trey Lance a lot, and that actually is a pretty intriguing fit. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you think about it, don't they run the same? Again, I'm not like the super expert on this stuff. I sure. haven't gone deep into any research, but they do run the similar offenses, right? It's kind of yeah. like this pro-ish style offense, um, but it, at North Dakota State, uh, it's amazing that they keep on churning out these quarterbacks, right, over there. It's, it's, <laughs> it's so weird. And, it's insane. And Carson Wentz, and it, it's really amazing. Um, but it, it, you know, Lance is intriguing. We'll see what happens. Um, I think he could definitely go three, and I think Atlanta will trade down from four. My guess is right because it's going to be a quarterback starving team like Carolina, you know, wanting to be in the hunt for one of these four or five guys, right? And I could definitely see them trading up to four because Atlanta, I mean, they can they can get an elite player at at eight still you know, and, and, and recoup assets because that's what that team needs. You know, they need assets. And I saw, um, I think it was on Tuesday that Kyle Pitts and the Falcons are like really 
like talking a lot. Like I think he said they met twice on Zoom. They talked at his pro day. He has one more meeting set up with them. Um, I don't remember how many other teams he mentioned, but he kept bringing up the Falcons. So I'm not saying that's necessarily the pick, but that would be pretty interesting, I think. But like you said, they do need assets, and they're Atlanta's an interesting team, man. Like Matt Ryan's not a bad quarterback. He's not completely washed up. He still is putting up good numbers and playing good football. Julio Jones is still present and Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley is a really good player. Um, they played better football down the stretch last season. So that that's an interesting team. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just down on their organization as a whole. Oh, I still don't like them. I still think they're bad, but I mean, they're not, dumpster fire horrible no they're not the texans that's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay that that's a fair point fair point <laughs> not many organizations are the texans right now well there isn't any organizations that are the texans i mean the jets yeah, had that... the title as most incompetent organization the jaguars yeah. have had it a couple times but right now it's the texans and a walk like it's not yeah. close like it, with all the a grand canyon sized gap between yes. the texans and the rest and like there's no end in sight like that is just Oh, that's bad all around. Casario is interesting as offseason, right? Because they added a whole bunch of. Now we're just doing an NFL, like an NFL offseason recap. <laughs> offseason recap. Uh, offseason recap. Early, April. which I would love to do on a different podcast. But I was going <laughs> to try to wait and see, like, what all the moves are made. We're going to be yeah. made, and I guess they've all been made now. So I should probably schedule one. If you want to do it, then then, then, then <laughs> I'd love to do it with you. Um, but uh, they, I mean, they added a whole bunch of veterans to sort of raise the ceil- raise the floor of that team, right? I keep on saying the ceiling yeah. is the floor. To keep on to, to raise the floor <laughs> of that team, right? And yeah. they like a whole bunch of like mediocre to decent veterans, and maybe that will help them a little bit. They might be well, close next year. But and they I, they paid Tyron Taylor like ten million bucks to be quote unquote the backup. When, you don't pay someone 10 million bucks to be your backup unless it's like thorough competition at the quarterback position. And assuming Deshaun Watson's there, which at this point you can't assume anything with him. He's going to hold out. If he's yes. still on the team he's, in yes. August, he's going to hold out. Yes. So they're not paying Tyron Taylor to be the backup. They're saying this is insurance for when you know what hits the fan with Deshaun, which a lot of stuff already did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, Man, the, the Texans are interesting and sad at the same time. And Bill O'Brien's not even there anymore, and they're still feeling <laughs> the repercussions of that. They don't have any draft picks, really, or at least didn't at first. Um, it, it's just bad. They traded DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of chips. I, I still can't get over that. It, it's just bad all around. Uh, the Texans were not on my outline, I'll be honest. <laughs> You have to work them in at some. Even though they had, even though ironically enough, they had this third pick at one point in time, but they traded it away before it became the third pick. So yeah, uh, it's it all comes around, you know. Um, the the fascinating piece that I do want to talk about though before we head out is the Dolphins and what they did, dropping down the twelve and then going right back up the six again. Um, just a little pessimism behind why they decided to go up again after they got all those assets to go down. And I kind of want to hear your thoughts on like the, both the trades that they made. I, I was kind of confused at first. Like I was struggling to figure out all like the, the pathway and connect those dots. So I kind of understand it now. I think that they, they happened in succession too. Like, I mean, bam, bam, they were considered, they must've been thinking about doing stuff like that long before they did um, and were contingent upon each other happening. Man, 
someone said, um, I tweeted out, I'm glad they're building around Tua. And then people were replying like, are they really building around Tua though? Or are they just trying to kind of put themselves in a good spot for somebody else? And like, I'm partial to Tua, which is weird because when it was the Burrow-Tua debate, I was team Burrow through and through. Um, But Tua wasn't bad last season. Now the thing with a franchise quarterback with a good defense like they have um, and soon to be good weapons, do you just want an okay quarterback or do you want a good quarterback who can throw an accurate football or do you want that superstar level guy? Which I think uh, someone said they were going to trade everything for Watson. And if I were a GM, I would wait to see how all of this with Watson plays out before doing something like that mm. um, to see what disciplinary action he faces. And um, I don't want to go too far into that situation as a whole, yeah. but yeah, um, that. yeah that, that's probably a good idea. Um, but the <laughs> Dolphins, man, it's interesting to say the least. I mean, I don't, I don't know really what to make of it quite yet. It was weird to jump down and then go back up. Um, but I think they're they're putting themselves in a position to still add some premier talent, and they got what was it a twenty twenty three first round pick out of it? Or yeah, whatever? yeah, which they kept in the trade that they made. Yeah, with yeah. The Niners. So they. Yeah. And do you? Why do you like more specifically? Like, why do you think they jumped up the six again? That was weird. I. Is it like to get a Jamar Chase if he's still there? Like I think that's the theory I, I heard is that they, they that they they're still in the range for an elite pass catcher at six yeah. if they jump back up the six, but they can also but by jumping down from three they can add an asset or two because they're not in the hunt yeah. for a quarterback and they kind of which is fair this trade so yeah which I think is the right move like why bring in another top tier quarterback it doesn't make much sense to me. I mean, no. and they like heck, like the only argument really for staying the three is if you're gonna like pick Sewell at three, you know, mm-hmm. or yeah. Kyle, or you love Kyle Pitts enough to pick him at three. But I think you can get Pitts at six, you know. I think you, you can too, or at least Jamar Chase at worst at six. You know, that's a good but, consolation prize. <laughs> yeah, and I guess the argument, but again, the argument against jumping up the six again is that one of these guys, if not even Jamar Chase, like. A Devonte Smith can drop the twelve, you know, which yeah. is also, which also could easily happen because you never know, yeah. right? These it happens every year. A top yeah. five, top ten guy drops outside the top ten, and and that could be the guy you always wanted along at six, and you keep all the mm-hmm. assets you got in the Niners trade, which you probably won from just a pure asset standpoint. So yeah. I, I I just think it's really interesting to see what the what the Dolphins did the other day, you know? Yeah, it's. It's something, man. And I think that I just have this gut feeling that something big is going to happen. Like, I don't know if it is a trade for a quarterback or a draft night trade for um, Carolina moving way up. Cause like you mentioned Carolina, I think that's a very valid thing. Like if they don't do anything with um, who they wanted to add, I think we know who we're talking about. Um, If they go into the draft and move up and get the guy they really want, then that would be interesting. I know that a team like Atlanta, like that seems like a match made in heaven to where Atlanta can get a major asset, move down just four spots, still be in a good position to add somebody. Carolina can move up. Wilson's going to probably be off the board. Fields is probably going to be off the board. Now, if the Mac Jones thing happens, you could go Lawrence, Wilson, Jones, Fields go into four to a team like Carolina. Like I think that would be what would trigger 
that trade. Like yeah. Atlanta would say, well, we don't really need this guy. We can get a major asset off here. Carolina moves up, gets their guy. So I'm just really excited. I mean, long, long path to a, a short road here. It's I'm really excited for the draft. After Matt Ryan, uh, before Matt Ryan resigned, I thought that there was a chance that they, that they could go quarterback here. Sure. Um, given his age, um, given no. the fact that he's still a solid quarterback, but he's not quite the same. He's not quite the yep. same guy he used to be, even though you said that he's still pretty solid quarterback. I, I would generally agree with that, but I wouldn't say he's above average at this point anymore. Right. No. Given the quarterback talent we have in the league right now, and given his age, yep. I mean, he looks slower and slower every year in the pocket. Um, yep. But they re-signed him, so the only thing that makes sense to me is probably a trade down with Carolina, like I said. And Carolina's yeah. been extremely public about, we need a quarterback. And I don't even know if Teddy Bridgewater was their problem last year, but they're still like, we need a quarterback. Yeah. So, I mean, they could use a quarterback. I don't know if it's their greatest need at the moment, but anyway, like, good for them. They want a quarterback, good for you. But, like, I, I – I mean, they seem like a Deshaun Watson candidate. Not quite sure about that anymore, but um, yeah. I think Fields makes a lot of sense sense for them. If he he yeah. could even drop to eight, it's not impossible. But um, I I don't buy. I, by the way, before we move on, like or before we end this <laughs> with the Fields thing, do you buy the crap that people are like, oh, he can go in? The, he's a four, some some teams have him at a fourth round grade. Did you hear about this? I I did, and <laughs> like. I'm no draft expert. Like, hear me out. Like, I'm no draft expert. I I haven't been doing this for longer than a few months. I mean, I started watching tape in the fall and talking to guys and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> how do you put a fourth round grade? Like, Justin Fields, the athlete, like not even the quarterback. Justin Fields, the athlete, who ran a 4-4-4-40, who is electric, is a top 100 pick like just as an athlete like you could maybe even move him to running back and like he would be worthy of a t like top four round he he can spin a beautiful football he's tough as nails he's a good leader like he just needs to work on a few things and he's going to be a really good nfl player he has fourth round grade like i get lowering like i know that I was talking to somebody and they said like, um, cause they had connects with teams. Obviously I don't, but I like listening to people who do, cause it's just mm -hmm. fun to pick up stuff. Um, he said a lot of teams usually only have like their draft boards have about 75 guys or so on them. And like the people that they give a first round grade to, there's usually like 10 or 15, like out of those 32 guys who get drafted, only about half of them have that first round grade. So I get kind of lowering that's like a fifth round pick maybe had a sixth round grade or a second round pick third whatever still like you justin fields is a first round prospect like out of all those like if kyle trask is being talked about if kellen mond is being talked about as a first round pick if mac jones is being talked about in the top five justin fields has to be a mortal lock for a top 16 pick or grade how do you give that guy a fourth round grade? Like even the staunchest of Justin Fields haters. And I don't even love Justin Fields. Like I'm a Wilson guy through and through the dude. You can't give him a second, third or fourth round grade. I just don't get it. 
It's yeah, it's wild. I don't. It's egregious, Koki. I am I am fired up (laughs) defending Justin Fields, and that is not what I envisioned when I came on this podcast. Well, uh, I mean, I'm not the one who spread the rumor that teams have a fourth round grade. So, (laughs) yeah, man, Um, that that's something. Fields just seems too talented to me as an athlete, as you said, and even as a thrower, I mean, like even you said the running back piece, right. You could be a second or third run running back as a thrower. He's too talented of a thrower and too accurate (laughs) of a throw. He's a pretty, he's, he's pretty good accuracy to, you know, be a, what, to be a fourth round pick, even if his reads are a little shaky, which I guess is that's the thing that people are a little bit scared of. Right. Yep. Um, But I don't know. It's absolutely wild to me um but uh yeah that's what we got for the draft stuff that's what we got for the nba trade deadline stuff um jordan i want to thank you so much again for hopping on and hopping onto this uh hopping onto the pot again so this has been awesome yeah man this was a great time i i really appreciate it all right thanks so much dude yep thank you all so much for listening to episode 33 of the koki chronicles podcast don't forget to follow subscribe and spread the word about the show until next time thanks for listening